0: Everybody, okay. welcome back to another episode of Don't Worry It's Confidential. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. It is a Monday for me. I definitely have Monday energy today. I woke up feeling like, oh but I've had actually a pretty good day. I was able to get things done, see some clients today and edit my podcast. Started actually editing on a Friday night, which is like really unlike me, but wanted to get ahead because I am going to a wedding this weekend. I'm going to a wedding, one of my best friends is getting married and I'm going to Vancouver on Thursday, so I'm taking Friday off and seeing clients today as well so i had to get ahead i also had an engagement party on saturday not just any engagement party but my brother's engagement party it was like so so beautiful we set up a whole little garden party with my family and my brother's fiance's family and friends and it was just so great to meet people that I hadn't met and catch up with everyone and really celebrate love and happiness and yeah it was just incredible so much good food good drinks good time good music all of it and it's beautiful we love love and yeah another love celebration on Saturday I can't believe I'm at that age where my friends are getting married and my brother's getting married and I actually have weddings to go to it's exciting (gasps) no well that was full monday energy if i've ever seen it i was sipping on my mate which is like an argentinian loose leaf tea drink and i had it on my desk like right next to my mic and i moved my mic and just spilled it all over so yeah that was all captured yeah last week's episode was all about balance and it's quite funny because i feel like i needed it more than i needed it more than other episodes i release it's very on theme for things that i'm going through right now of just trying to figure shit out trying to balance everything out and not get burnt out so just here to report that it's still a work in progress for me anyone else feeling like they could just sleep for a week (laughs) yeah sending you love sending you rest energy Today's episode is really, really valuable. I really enjoyed recording it. I learned so much about this friend. She shared so vulnerably about her experience growing up and about her mental health journey. And I think we can all take a page out of her book and yeah, vulnerability and openness. And I think she sprinkles tidbits about how to take care of your mental health, about the lessons she's learned throughout therapy and throughout her career so far and schooling. It was super, super helpful to hear about. One thing as well from this episode is like the understanding that depression, anxiety, ADHD, whatever it is, it looks different in everyone. It doesn't have to look a specific way. She mentions like she's such an outgoing person and people wouldn't perceive her as struggling with a lot of the stuff that she struggles with. And I think that's just like such a good example of everyone struggles and there's not one type of person who struggles and one type of person who doesn't. So it's always important to remind ourselves of that. Check our assumptions. I also speak about how I relate to a lot of the things that she's talking about. You'll hear me talk about it throughout the episode, but I guess I didn't really give that much of a background as I was talking about it. She speaks a lot about school and being sort of labeled as not smart or labeling herself as not smart and really struggling with that. And I speak about how I relate to that a lot. And yeah, just for context, I wanted to explain that I think a large part of why I related was because I moved to Canada when I was in grade one and didn't speak any English really. So I was learning English and, and really obviously taking that all in. So a lot of my learnings and hitting the same like stages as my classmates at the same time, which made me feel behind, made me feel stupid, made me question myself and my abilities from a really young age. And I I guess anyone out there who can relate to that, just know I see you and I feel you. And I wanted to explain that before the episode so that you can all understand where I'm coming from. Sorry, this is like completely off topic but I'm literally recording this intro five minute intro and my neighbors like we're in a house where the upstairs are my neighbors and my bedroom door leads into like their front hall and the front door and when they open the front door it sounds like they're coming into my room (laughs) I don't even know if you can hear it maybe on the recording but like it feels like they can hear everything that I say because I can hear like their keys turning and everything so during this recording no joke they just went in like five times like in and out i don't know what the heck is going on (laughs) but yeah (laughs) and i've had to stop recording every time because i get scared of them hearing me because like it's funny how i'm literally recording this podcast and release it into the world yet like the thought of my neighbors hearing me talk freaks me out so yeah that is the life of a podcaster anyways i hope that you all resonate with this episode i hope you all connect with it and as always follow me on instagram at don't worry it's confidential write me a review rate the podcast on apple podcast and or spotify both if you can love you all so so much and i hope that you have a great day this guest is someone who always gives the warmest hellos she is bubbly chatty and doesn't take life too seriously and has the warmest heart we first met two years ago and bonded as we chatted about things ranging from child development to gossiping about boys <laughs> welcome to the podcast
1: oh my god that's such a nice introduction (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that okay I was. oh my
0: goodness (laughs) (laughs) that's how we like take down the walls you know really warm them up yeah so you ready for the three get to know you questions
1: yeah I'm like a little nervous for these but I think it's gonna be (laughs) fine
0: yeah what's a secret talent of
1: yours oh that's such a tough one I'm really good at opening jars. (laughs) I like that kind of comes to mind first.
0: (laughs) But like (laughs) Do you think it's like hand strength or like just technique?
1: I think it's like hand strength because I'm also quite good at giving massages. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that like I'm like, oh, this is oh, you know what, another one? Untangling necklaces. Oh, those are both really useful. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why those are like the first two that come to mind, but I love (laughs) it. There you go. That's perfect. This one's the weird one.
0: If you could only sit on one type of seat for the rest of your life what would it be
1: oh my goodness who okay I want to say like I love sitting on my bed Mm -hmm. so like I want to say that but then I'm also just thinking about like the practicality of having like a bed in like a restaurant or something so that's kind of (laughs) weird I'm just gonna go a couch a couch I feel like that's quite versatile yeah
0: That's perfect. You could have a little couch, mini couch at a restaurant with you. For
1: sure. Like have the, you know, some restaurants already have a couch. Yeah, you're right. Classroom, couch, you know, like. I love it. Couch in a car. Sure. (laughs) Perfect. Couch seat? Yeah. Wow.
0: (laughs) Okay. Last one. What is one feature that you would have to have in your dream home if you were able to design it?
1: Okay. Wow. This is so unique. Can I say like a view of the ocean?
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: Maybe that. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. like a hot tub. (laughs) i'm gonna go view of the ocean
0: okay that's both of those are amazing but view of the ocean is like honestly you can stand there and just stare at the ocean for hours isn't that so crazy yeah
1: i know i know like at my cottage i literally just sit and i'm like okay i don't need anything other than water but like yeah yeah a view of the ocean for sure
0: that's perfect okay are you ready to get into the topic yeah let's go let's send let's send (laughs) Oh, I should have said something about your abbreviations of everything. In oh the yeah. Intro. <laughs> okay. So, today's topic, we're hearing all about your mental health journey. Hearing about others' journeys is so important because it destigmatizes, it allows us to learn from each other and to feel less lonely in whatever we're going through because we know other people have experienced it. And I also think that there's so much wisdom that comes from those really high points in life, but maybe even more that comes from those really low moments. And so I think talking about it is such a wonderful way to learn from each other and to prepare for those moments that will inevitably come for each of us. And there's also some areas that we haven't really touched on that we're gonna be talking about, so I'm excited to get into it. Why don't we start off just having you explain your mental health story and yeah any anything about that that you want to get into
1: okay cool I'll try and keep it brief because um, it's quite the journey I guess so basically I was born
0: <laughs> I'll keep it brief I, <laughs> I was
1: born <laughs> I was born yeah so I was born and uh so something I was born with is ADHD and that's something that you are born with uh, it is a neurological disability So, yeah, I was born with ADHD and I was born in like a pretty chaotic household. Like there was a lot of love there and like a lot of great things. But my mom got cancer when I was one and um, she was in remission for about four years. And then cancer came back when I was five and at age 10, she passed away. So it was just kind of like there was a lot going on in my house. And yeah, like there was a lot of love there, but there was also just like a lot of stress, right? Like a Mm -hmm. lot of stressors. Between my family and I and one of the cancers my mom had was brain cancer, which can really just like You know really take over your mental well-being and stuff So it was just like a pretty stressful environment a lot of the time So I had anxiety as a kid anxiety is generally I mean like I'm no professional psychologist But it tends to be developed through like your you know genetics and kind of also just um, life experiences so I didn't really know as a kid that I had anxiety, but I, like, looking and reflecting on it, I can definitely see a lot. Like, I had a lot of, like, irrational fears growing up. Like, mm-hmm. I was scared of the dark. I was, like, terrified of Cleopatra and, like, random <laughs> ass, like, super rational fears. I wouldn't sleep at night. I would, like, bite on my clothes. I would go to the nurse's office a lot because I felt, like, sick, but I didn't know really, like, what was wrong with me. I was just going, like, lie down for a bit. Yeah, so I had, like, a lot of anxiety growing up, and then that, along with my ADHD, just kind of like was very difficult. Like I kind of knew in a way that I was like different mm-hmm. than a lot of my peers. Then when I was in grade seven, my dad brought me to a psychologist cause I was just like not doing well in school. I was really anxious. And I think my dad had heard through either like other people or just like teachers maybe to go to a psychologist and yeah. see what's up. So. I did uh, my first psychological assessment when I was in grade seven, and like the outcome was I was diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety, a reading disability, which uh, general public knows as dyslexia, and another learning disability. I think um, There's like a lot to come out of this report. So I didn't really like understand it then. I like, go, oh, this is like 2007, so things like anxiety and depression and those things like weren't as talked about, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what was ADHD. Like I didn't really understand. I kind of like had this general idea that I was stupid. And then this was just kind of like confirmation of that. Like I didn't really understand like what Mm. it all meant. Yeah. And I mean, so anxiety and depression are really common for people with ADHD. I think it's like 30 or 40% of people with ADHD suffer from mental health challenges. Yeah. Like basically throughout high school, I was, I was pretty anxious and I had some depression, but like, I didn't really know. I was kind of in a bit of a denial about it. It was also Mm. just like you know appeared as like kind of like low self-esteem and like I was developing like a really poor relationship with myself throughout like my adolescence which many adolescents do right like no Mm. one's feeling like loving themselves in grade nine right (laughs) Uh, and I like this time too like I hadn't really grieved anything to do with my mom like I was really young when it happened so I was like continuing to feel quite anxious and yeah when I went to university things kind of got a lot worse so I was feeling really anxious and depressed but I was also kind of in denial about it because I was like you know like I have a lot of great things in my life like you know so it was really hard to like actually connect with it and it was more just kind of like a lot of self-hatred and then when I got to my third year university I just kind of gotten into like rock bottom I was so depressed I can go into that like a bit later but I Mm. was really rock bottom. Like, I was crying many times throughout the day. I was trying to keep, like, a good routine and structure going. But I was just so depressed. Like, and I'd been learning a lot about mental health and mental illness in my courses. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, really resonating with me. But I still had this kind of, like, shame and guilt and, like, denial about it. But it just, like, got to a point where I was, like, I don't want to be alive anymore. And I was, like, having kind of some, like, suicidal ideation. And... I was just so sick like so depressed I just didn't even know what to do I'd like Mm -hmm. lost joy in a lot of things and it's hard because like I'm a pretty like if you know me you're like oh she's like really fun and bubbly and upbeat but it was more like I just like I could I couldn't keep going so I had a roommate who kind of like suggested going to therapy and I was kind of in denial about wanting to go to therapy because I was like well I kind of want to be a counselor so like I can't go to therapy which Mm -hmm. honestly is the complete opposite like Mm -hmm. I feel like you can't help others so you can help yourself yeah which is something I didn't really realize then so I I had this big call with my parents which I can kind of go into a bit later um it was kind of like a cry for help almost so that's when I started getting like really intensive therapy and It was, like, absolutely life-changing for me. It literally saved my life when I uh, say that. Um, Yeah, in that same year, I started some medication, which was also, like, a really hard thing for me to accept for myself. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, since then, so that was, like, 2015, 2016. Since then, I've kind of been, like, I've had a few, like, breaks from therapy, but right now it's been pretty consistent. Yeah, like, I'm in a way better place. Like, I look back on that, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like... And yeah, like it's something that I still, like mental health and mental illness is something that I still struggle with a lot Mm -hmm. regularly. I've had like a few kind of like, I call them depressive episodes since, but like not as severe as it was then, you know, like I still struggle with like intrusive thoughts and kind of like, it's like, it's definitely a challenge for me that I deal with regularly, but at the same time, like I've really developed a lot of coping strategies and like I'm definitely in like a way better place but Mm. it's it's honestly kind of like a day-to-day struggle but you know like I am able to be in like a way better place from it now where I am at
0: yeah yeah thank you for sharing so much and I think it's like it's so important to acknowledge the fact that it doesn't like end or have a moment and then go away It, it is just kind of a constant checking in with yourself and seeing like how am I doing today and it could be way better it could be not so great and it just like is it's just like an up and down journey and I think that when you start accepting that and knowing that it feels like a lot less disappointing because you were mentioning how there was this period of time where you were looking at your life and you're like I have all these good things and as much as gratitude is like amazing it can also be like super invalidating to see yourself that way and so you don't let yourself have all those feelings
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, gratitude is great, but at the same time, when you are struggling, it can really be hard, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're, it kind of almost can give you, like, again, like, I'm all all speaking from my personal experiences, like, you know, this is me, this isn't necessarily how everyone feels about it, but sometimes I felt almost guilt, you know, being like, I, in a lot of shame, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I shouldn't feel this way, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah yeah I think that's such an experience that a lot of people have and that isn't talked about a lot and I think that's how shame kind of continues to spiral because no one talks about it I guess like there's so many areas that I want to go to but (laughs) the first one is like now since we're on it how did you start combating that like how did you start accepting that it's okay for you to feel this way and while also acknowledging that you have so many great things in your life
1: that's something that like when I started going to like intensive therapy was the big thing for me was like self-hatred right because mm-hmm. I was just so depressed and I think it was just kind of like developed throughout growing up like not doing well in school like being different from a lot of people um, you know like the grief of losing my mom and never dealing with that kind mm-hmm. of until I was like 8, 19. So that was kind of like the first step in therapy and then yeah, like, therapy definitely, like, really helped me with that was kind of, like, the understanding that, like, it's all right to feel this way. And something that's really hard is, like, I know sometimes, like, you know, they say, you know, acknowledge when your emotions are there. So Like, acknowledge, like, oh, I'm feeling anxious, but, like, don't dwell into that. That was something that was really hard for me, to. Mm-hmm. That's a skill, like, I still kind of struggle with. Mm-hmm. But I think... Something really big that actually a therapist, showed me a year ago is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with self-compassion mm-hmm. but developed by, like, Kristen Neff. I got really into that for a bit. She has, like, a lot of amazing exercises. There's, like, three aspects of it. I, I could look at the if I. One of them was kind of, like, the holistic, you know, community of, like, we all can feel this way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just, like, I think a lot of work and, like, you know, training my brain to be, like, it's okay to feel this way. Yeah. It's okay. People deal with this stuff all the time. Because there was so much and like I still get like a lot of frustration around it. Like I had a therapy session like a week ago where I was just like so frustrated, you know. Like I was just like this is exhausting for me. Like, yeah. you know, my my well-being is something I have to continually work on. And just kind of like I do get frustrated about it. But I think like I'm able to sometimes take myself out of that and be like, you know, this is like this is okay. Like this is what it is. I've been through a lot it's okay to feel, like, anxious. It's okay to feel yeah. depressed, right? Like, everyone feels this way sometimes. And, like, yeah, maybe I'm feeling it really heavy right now, but that's, like, that's that's kind of how it is. And just, like, removing the shame and, like, mm-hmm. guilt around it, you know? And, like, yeah, yeah, I think a big part of, like, the reason I started going to therapy was also like when I was so depressed and like really unhappy, I was looking around me at people I knew and like self-comparison isn't the best thing, but also it was really important for me in that moment because I saw people around me and how they were living their life. And then that was really for me, like I don't want to live this way anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I need to, like I want to help myself and I want to live, you know, it's kind of like this is cheesy, but you have one life, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, I want to live, a better life like I want to like there's there's ways to not feel this way all the time right it's just like a lot of work (laughs)
0: yeah it sounds like there's such a knowing that you have that it's okay now that maybe you didn't have before and even if there's moments where the like belief in that flusters because like naturally it would get frustrating naturally it would just be like exhausting At the same time, like, you do have that knowing. So, like, even when you're upset, you know that it's going to be okay because you know it is okay. And so I I think that's, like, such a huge difference to, like, how you saw it before that you didn't think it was okay for you to feel that way.
1: Yeah, like, I think that's been one of, like, the biggest mental changes I've had is, Mm -hmm. like, knowing that it's okay to feel this way, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. whereas before it was so, like, when I reflect on that time, it was, like so much anger and shame and guilt and self-hatred of feeling that way whereas like now I'm in a way better place I'm like it's it's fucking okay it's (laughs) sorry can I swear it's I'm like it's okay to feel this way like it is what it is right yeah it actually makes me think of like
0: I feel like something that me and you have in common is that people perceive us as like a super happy super outgoing super bubbly kind of people and That, I think, for me, made it difficult for me to have negative emotions as well because I was like, I'm supposed to be this person that people perceive me as, but when I'm alone, I feel really sad sometimes or I feel really anxious and I'm like, is that okay? Like, it doesn't feel like it's okay because it's not supposed to be my personality I guess, like, how how has that experience been for you? Just, like, I'm curious, personally.
1: Yeah, no, everything you just said right there, like, really resonates with me. Yeah, like, that was really hard because it was, like, it's kind of like I almost say I'm living, like, I have, like, two lives. Or, Mm -hmm. like, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that was, like, a big thing for me is when I was so depressed, I was not able to ever be that happily, bubbly person, Mm. really. And I wasn't able to do things I love doing. Like, I love conversing with people. I'm very social, And i felt like i couldn't do that as well as i could before recently i've just kind of been like you know this is this is me like when i'm alone like i can feel this way like it's Mm. all me still i am a very happily bubbly person i think like it'd be interesting because i feel as though people would be surprised to hear you know the story and kind of hear yeah this is like who i am and yeah like it's kind of shocking and like I mean there's always some like fear of like the stigma and judgment right you totally, know
0: totally it is it's still hard regardless of the fact that things are so much more open it's still hard to be vulnerable and like mm-hmm. express all these things yourself because we all want to be perceived in like this like as good as possible way yeah. but I think like it's also so nice and people feel so close to you when you share because they know that like they also have moments that they're not 100% feeling great and so it's if, I think it brings people people so much closer
1: yeah exactly and it's like I mean it's still me like I am a happy bubbly outgoing person but I also have another like I also struggle right like it's all still me and they're all just like parts of me and like I think the important thing is viewing myself as like a holistic approach not like oh I have two sides to me it's like it's all one person it's all me and they're just like all kind of things that are in me right or like yeah
0: yeah a big like learning that I got from like taking a course in dbt is like two opposing things can be true and I've probably mentioned it on the podcast but it honestly changed my life and like so many clients as well it's like just being able to say like yeah I can be extremely happy and I can also be extremely sad yeah and those things can both be true about me or like just any sort of opposing ad- like attributes about ourselves like I can be a hundred percent okay with a situation but at the same time be like extremely frustrated and it's okay for those things yeah.
1: to yeah like I kind of I'm very like visionary sometimes when I get into these type of things I just, like, view myself as this, like, circle yeah. and, like, all of that in the circle, yeah. you know, not, like, uh, scale or whatever, but more of, like, a holistic circle thing. Yeah. But, yeah, that reminds me, like, I um, – when I was in, like, very intensive – therapy was art therapy which I was very for Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when you deal with like anxiety and depression again this is my scenario it can come to a point where it feels like you are just a ball of Mm. mental illness like Mm -hmm. it feels like you lose yourself and you just kind of feel like a walking lump of depression anxiety and I had a therapist she asked me to paint depression and anxiety so I was like okay sure so I just got like these very aggressive strokes on like a plain campus of like a black gray blurb I had an X-Acto knife and I was like kind of ripping up the canvas and when I was done she held it up and she said here's depression anxiety she said hi to it so I was like hello and then uh, <laughs> she said like look this is a part that might be in you but it's not all of you It's out here. You're saying hello to it. This is something that might be in you, but it does not define you and it's not all of you. And that to me was like a very powerful experience of like reminding myself that like, yeah, like this isn't all me. Like it it feels like it sometimes, but it's not.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. I literally have chills. I think it's so important. And (laughs) and I also like laugh when you're like, hello, because it's like... (laughs) doing that kind of stuff always feels so silly but it's so like important because it it is like seeing it as just a part personifying it and being like that's just like something in me rather than yeah all of me consuming it's like it is so so huge
1: yeah I know I know like some of the exercises I just like you kind of like she she'd tell me and I'd be like oh really and then like I do it and be like oh okay here we go and I'm like sobbing like this is so powerful yeah
0: yeah exactly I guess that kind of reminds me of like something I wanted to ask about before. It's like the moment that you were in grade seven, if you can think back when you were getting that diagnosis, when you were like, you got that list of things that was going on. Like, Mm -hmm. how did it feel? Because I think getting a diagnosis can be, an amazing thing for some a harmful thing for others uh uh, eye-opening thing I think it has so many elements to it so I wanted to hear your experience
1: yeah I think my diagnoses have my perspective of them and my connection to them have very Mm -hmm. much evolved over the years Mm -hmm. so when I was in like young before I was diagnosed I just kind of knew uh something was like different like I was very like I was a bit of a space cadet I was super hyperactive there's like three different types of ADHD so there's type one which is primarily inattentive and that's like the most Common in females, and it goes extremely Mm underdiagnosed. There's a lot of upcoming research about that now, which is really interesting. There's type two, which is primarily hyperactive impulsive, and that's like a much more rare type. And then there's type three, which is combined, so it's inattentive as well as hyperactive impulsive. So that's the kind I have, which is tend to be like I think almost kind of easier to diagnose because like it's more apparent. Whereas like inattentive can just come across as like not paying attention and being like daydreaming. Um, Yeah, so. I kind of knew, like, I just wasn't, like, at where a lot of my peers were at. Like, I remember reading was something that was really hard for me. I remember sitting and, like, trying to do homework. And I swear, like, it would take me three hours to, like, attempt to read, like, a textbook page that I wouldn't even get through. I just kind of, like, knew. But, like, I didn't know, like, what it was, right? Like, I just kind of thought I was a little weird. And I kind of thought that I was dumb. Like, I was like, some people are smart, some people are dumb. I'm dumb. So, like, that was kind of my understanding of it and my parents like worried a lot about my school they like my dad has always been like my biggest advocate which is like so important and he really wanted me to be like succeed as well as like my mother so you know I was in tutoring I'd like I'd get so much support but yeah so when I was in grade seven I remember like you sit down after and I had a meeting my psychologist was like so lovely and she was like just incredible just so supportive so like my time spent with her was like great and I didn't really even know what I was doing there like my yeah. dad was like you're gonna get a test on like how you learn best I was like okay and it's like you go for like five sessions of like a few hours or something yeah. so when we did like the sit down she went over and she was kind of like these are some things you're gonna get you're not gonna have to take French anymore and I was like yeah, hey, that's a relief because like <laughs> I can barely understand English like I don't even know what the fuck's going on in French class. Mm-hmm yeah and so she was very positive about it though she was like you know they're poor. It's just like you light up the room you walk into it was like so kind and she was really positive she just spoke about it in such a positive way but I also kind of saw my dad felt a little bit worried I felt like and then honestly probably ADHD I like didn't really walk away with like a lot of info and then when I went to high school I kind of started getting like extra support so I had like a period in school where I would get to go to like a resource room and have teachers help me. When I took tests, I got to take them in different rooms. So there were some things that went really well with that. And then some things that were kind of, I guess, made me feel a little shameful. Like I remember in grade seven, for my spelling tests, I would go and, like, sit in the coat room and, like, write them on the floor with, like, only doing a few words. And it was, like, kind of, you know, like, I didn't like the feeling of maybe my peers noticing that I was yeah. not quite, I wasn't smart. Like, I was really scared about that. It was hard. Like, I felt kind of a lot of shame with my disabilities. And I didn't even know, honestly, like, I didn't really understand the report till, like, a few years ago, I realized I was like, oh, wait, I'm dyslexic. But yeah, there's definitely some shame associated with it and like a lot of frustration. And then you know, I started taking medication for ADHD in grade nine. And then that was kind of weird. I was under the impression that like that would make me smarter, kind mm. of like it was all associated very much with like smart and dumb. Yeah. So that was very like hard for me. You know, it's also really impacted me and like with stigma and stuff. And I think we're in a really great place that like society's grown to be like mental health is so normal. Like, it's a a type of health, right? It's, like, physical health, it's mental health, it's emotional health, like, spiritual health, whatever. So that's been a lot better. But, like, I felt like I was, it was a lot of shame throughout the years. And now I'm kind of at a place of, like, kind of proud in a way of, like, I'm, like, this is who I am, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone's got their shit, like, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's so important to acknowledge that, like, sometimes it is necessary to, like, give you access to resources and feel understood in terms of, like, oh, this is what was happening and, like, really, like, yeah, feel like you have a roadmap to getting, like, having an easier time in certain things. But at the same time, I think it can bring a lot of shame, especially, like, I mean, I think we're going to speak about this and how things are changing, but I, I definitely relate to that feeling of, like, feeling dumb and feeling like you don't understand and feeling like other people are judging because I think that was like very much in our like dialogue as kids like either you're smart or you're dumb like yeah I think I think that's so important that you're speaking to that and like thank you for bringing that up and like the things that it it brought up in you I guess yeah going into what you ended up picking as your career and everything like how do you think that it's changing now
1: yeah for sure and, like, to go off that, yeah, I was very, like, you know, my, and, like, my dad was, like, my biggest supporter, and he would always cheer me on and be, like, you know, I'd fail basically on my math test. And my mm-hmm. dad would be, like, you know what? It's just, like, a math test. Like, we're going to do everything we can. Mm-hmm. You know, he would, like, make every effort to, like, talk to my teachers and stuff. And he'd cheer me on and just be, like, you're such a kind, like, whatever person, and, like, that's why I know you're going to be successful. You know, just, like... Yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I was just, like a lot of shame
0: yeah, yeah so wait I guess sorry just to yeah, interrupt because yeah. I thought of something before we got into how it changed now I guess like I'm wondering like what do you think the role of like if you can explain as well what this is a little bit but like the role of self-fulfilling prophecy like what did you notice that was in your in your life as well.
1: Cause. I actually think about self-fulfilling prophecy like daily. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. My interpretation of self-fulfilling prophecy is like, this is the one example they give you in like university. And yeah. Like, basically, you're in a relationship and you're so scared your partner's going to cheat on you. You start acting in like really paranoid ways mm-hmm. and the partner gets so annoyed they end up cheating on you. Like, right. So it's kind of yeah. like you believe a certain thing and then it ends up happening, but be forced on your, like it happens because of your beliefs.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there was also like this like study with kids specifically about if teachers were told at the beginning of the year that certain kids were smart and certain kids were dumb and it was just random or like, I don't know, if smart and dumb were the words, but essentially through the way that they taught them and and acted towards them and the time that they gave them and like went and helped them and all that, the kids that were labeled as smart did better than the kids that were labeled as dumb.
1: Yeah, we talk about that a lot um, in like the teaching education program I just did in my mm-hmm. master's at, uh, about like labeling and bias, which is so big. And yeah, like I think I think for myself, it was really like I almost like went against a self-fulfilling prophecy because when I went to university. I started doing, like, really well. And in my 12th grade, I was doing really well, Mm -hmm. randomly. Like, I mean, high school, you can kind of, like, cheat the system a bit. But um, (laughs) so, and it was, like, finally because I was doing shit that I was interested in. Right? Like, I wasn't taking math and, like, biology. And... So I started doing, like, really well, and I was kind of, like, surprised. But I still, like, it was, like, I was still had this denial. I was, like, oh, well, I'm doing well because, like, maybe everyone does well in my program. You know, like, I wasn't willing mm. to accept. But I think something that's really interesting, a big connection I have to the self-fulfilling prophecy years ago was I was, or it's, like, maybe after I moved here, I was dealing with, like, a lot of anxiety and depression. And my intrusive thoughts in my head was in this place that was, like, I'm so unwell. I'm so unwell. And I kept, like, like resonating with this. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot like, you know, to get outside of that and to kind of be like, you know, like I need to stop clinging on to this because it's going to be a self-fulfilling problem, right? Yeah. But yeah, so to go back to kind of what you were saying about like biases and labels, that's something that's really interesting in teaching because I really try to see my students for their strengths. That's kind of like my new vision for it Mm -hmm. is looking at students as a strength-based approach, right? Yeah. So not looking at... You know i don't want to hear teachers say like oh i had a really hard time like they're like they don't listen they blah blah, blah 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 like that's really toxic i think as a teacher you can say my experience teaching them we faced a lot of challenges in that classroom mm-hmm. but i don't think you can call a student out for what they are and i think it honestly reflects your teaching how that yeah. student is successful right if your student's not succeeding that's on you Like, in in a way, like, sometimes it's not, but, like, you know, not to, like, go against teachers because, you know, they do everything, like, teachers, you do everything you can, but I think there are ways, like, that that student can learn, you know, and, yeah, it's hard because if you get a student and it's, like, yeah, the student has, like, ADHD and, like, dyscalculia, then you're immediately going to respond to them in a different way. Right. Yeah. Which is both a good and bad thing because you do need to provide them with tools to be successful. But it also can be a bad thing with just kind of like the stigma and how, you know, you kinda like develop the bias and expectation that they're not gonna be successful in like that particular
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. It's honestly amazing how much I relate to a lot of the story that you're telling. Like I had such a similar experience in school where I just thought I wasn't smart and that mm-hmm. was just a label I put for myself and I think it led to like a self fulfilling prophecy because in classes I would just not pay attention anymore because I was like I'm just gonna do bad anyway so might as well just not try and I think teachers saw me as that and I think reinforced it a lot of them until I had a teacher who didn't and then that's when I started like believing myself a little bit more and then when I got to university and started studying stuff I cared about I was like what
1: yeah, no. I actually know how to do things. Yeah, exactly. Especially in elementary school, I think like I there was a lot of things like I tried so hard, but I think it was also just like kind of fed up in elementary school and high school about mm-hmm. the amount of effort I was putting in. Yeah. To not get like results compared, like you know, I, people would be like, "Oh, I didn't even study for this test," yeah, and they go oh, in the and get worst. like a 90, and I was like <laughs> making fucking flashcards. I would met with my tutor. And I'm getting, like, a 63, like, which was a good mark for sometimes. It's something, like, yeah. you know. And elementary school, too, I think, like, you know, we'd have things due. And I just, like, I was, like, it's such a daze in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And because I was going through a lot, my teachers were, like, you know, like, I got away with a lot, too. Like, I would just yeah. kind of, like, leave the class and, like, go wander Makes the sense. hallways. I... But, like, I just remember kind of being in elementary school and being, like, I don't even know what's going on right now. Like, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, I don't know. Like, and, yeah, just kind of, like, in a way, like, a little bit of giving up, too, of just kind of being, like, okay, like, I have no clue what's happening with this. Like, I don't understand it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Because I'm almost just, like, embarrassed of what the outcome is going to be, you know? Totally. Or, like, I don't even know where to start on this. Like, so I'm I'm not going to do it. Totally.
0: Yeah. I think that so many people are going to relate to this and, like, That experience of feeling so frustrated and feel like you're just like pushing for no reason because the outcome doesn't feel good enough yeah I mean I I loved hearing the way that you're already applying like everything that you experienced to your job your career as a teacher can you tell us a little bit more about like that and how I guess like how your experience in school and your experience with mental health influenced your choice in in what you wanted to pursue and then more about like how the education system's like changing and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah for sure yeah so I'd always loved working with kids that was just something that really came naturally to me like I think I am like a bit of a kid you know I love Mm -hmm. a disney mm-hmm. movie i love to engage in like you know just like fun organized fun <laughs> so i didn't want to be a teacher though i was like no that's i'm not being a teacher I you my mom was a teacher and it's a curse when you have a parent that's a teacher because mm. like you're gonna be a teacher um <laughs> That I wasn't going to be a teacher. I So I went to school. I did my undergrad in applied human sciences, which is like a fun term for social psychology. Mm-hmm. And I specialized in youth work. So I kind of wanted to be a counselor. And the reason behind that was I did love working with kids and youth and I had a school counselor when I was little and I loved her like she was amazing she was so sweet and yeah I also loved my high school counselor Mm. she was great she loved me loved her and yeah like I was really set on wanting to help people and kids in the way that I was helped because I think I am so fortunate in the support system I had growing up Um, You know, it's like losing my mom and everything. I'm so fortunate with my friendships and my family. And yeah, I was really just like so lucky to have some super special... People in my life that like really helped me. A lot of those were counselors, so that was kind of my idea. And then I did my undergrad, and I was in kind of specialized in youth work, so I did that for a bit. Mm-hmm. And again, like that kind of just came from wanting to help kids and youth that are struggling. And I have this big philosophy that's like kids and youth they like, they have the right to be successful, and they need the tools to do it because they can't do it on their own. Yeah. Right. Like their no- neurological development isn't like there. Like if you're a kid and you're growing up in poverty and you're facing abuse and you have like you know learning disabilities anxiety like trauma you're you need someone to help right Mm -hmm. like you can't help yourself right you're young you don't have the tools to do that they're not making their next meal they're not making an income you know so that's always been something really passionate of me so when i started youth work i ended up working in a school and then i worked in another school so then i kind of was like okay i'm just gonna be a teacher like i'm just always in schools and i liked Working in schools. Like, I always liked going to school, um, just mostly to socialize. I didn't like, like, anything academic. I was only really into, like, gym and drama, but, um, (laughs) like, maybe art. But I still liked, I liked the way schools kind of function. I spent a lot of time there. My mom was a teacher, so then i started working as an education assistant which i was like supporting kids in classrooms with learning disabilities neurological disabilities special Mm -hmm. needs and i also do like i still kind of want to be a school counselor but you have to be a teacher first so i was like okay well i'll be a teacher see where that goes yeah so when i started working in schools and like you know working with teachers i really realized like this is something i'm incredibly passionate about and yeah it's really i think i was always worried like growing up with like these learning challenges how I would do in the work. But I actually think it's really interesting because it's kind of proven to be a strength for me throughout my teaching experience in the way that I can connect to students and I, like, can empathize with exactly where their mental state is. Like, I see my students with ADHD in a classroom, like, I know what they're thinking and I know what to do to help them or, Mm. like, what I can try. And, yeah, really, like, pumping them up and, like, you know, really teaching in all ways I can that, like, meet all needs um, I actually received an email yesterday and it was like I was crying because it was um, a mother of a class that I taught in like last year and I read this book called The Fish in the Tree. Mm-hmm. It's about a kid who has dyslexia and like her challenges and stuff. And at the end of the story, you know, I opened up to the class and said, this is something I actually struggle with and I'm very open about it. You know, I taught all my students, I'm like, Miss blah, 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 um, is not, I, I have, I'm still learning to spell and that's something that, I keep working on so please feel free to correct my spelling because that helps me learn Mm. and I am very open about this kind of stuff so I explained it and I said you know like reading and writing was something that was really hard for me you know I think it's important to kind of like break that stigma for them and this mom emailed me and she said you know you taught in this class you read this book and I just want to thank you for the impact you've had on my child's life my child was diagnosed with a learning disability last week she brought home the book we've been reading together and she shared your connection to it and it's made her feel not alone and it's really helpful for her to see that someone also has struggled with this and you know, they're kind of still like, you know, I'm out there, I'm teaching, mm-hmm. I did my masters, like Yeah. And that was just like I was bawling. I was I'm like literally about gonna... to cry. <laughs> I know. I was just like, this is, yeah, amazing, and like, you know, it's hard because kids are still, they can be like competitive in their classroom. They're like, oh, yeah, what you got in your spelling test? And this was like yeah. my grade ones, and I don't believe in spelling tests, but the teacher I was working with was doing them, and you know, I kind of said they'd be like, oh, or you know, a kid would ask how to spell the word the, and I'd be like, oh, well, like let's sound it out, whatever. And one kid would be like, I know how to spell that. It's like the first sight word you learn. I said, you know what? We all learn differently. I said when I was young I had a really hard time to learn to spell and read it took me many years to learn how to spell and read I don't think I could read properly till grade three or four and I'm very open about that because Mm -hmm. I think it helps kids you know learn I'm like some some people are really still working on their reading and writing but they have other things that some other kids are working on you know like
0: yeah I think that's like the most important stuff in the world and that's constantly stuff that I work with clients of just seeing whatever they're going through as a strength and like how much learning it's going to provide them in the the workforce because yeah I work with students so it's like right before going into their career and university students and they're like all worried about that they think how can I be successful how can I be in the workforce when I struggle with x y or z and it's honestly I think every single time a strength to be able to have these experiences to be able to have compassion for others to break things down to break down the systems that are not working for anybody because Mm -hmm. even that kid who knows how to spell it the fact that they feel like they have to say that it's like reinforcing the pressure they're putting on themselves to like be perfect so it's like yeah it it doesn't really work for anybody and so like as, as much as we can break it down and like start questioning and sharing and Mm -hmm. empathizing like I think the the better for everybody yeah.
1: yeah and so to like kind of answer about how the education system is changing from yeah. what i've seen and great like job keeping experience. us on track <laughs> <laughs> and from my experience is i think we are really working on like a strength-based approach there's something called universal De- design for learning it's really interesting mm-hmm. so it's all these different ways of how we can kind of like recruit stu- student interests, mm-hmm. how we can support them in different, different academics and like different school topics so i think like what the biggest changes I've seen is like really putting the child at the center of the learning. Mm. So really moving away from like writing a test. Yeah. Like I don't believe a test isn't a valuable way to assess learning. It is the easiest for sure. Cause you take a test, you mark it. It's easy for teachers. It's such a cop out. In my opinion, it's useless, right? Like I remember doing a test, like label, the skeletal system. Do I remember anything from the skeletal system? No. But mm. had my teacher been like, what do you want to learn about the skeletal system? Or like what bone do you think is interesting to you and why that type of thing engages interest Mm -hmm. and it helps students you know go off that and like what do they want to? so a lot about that there's like I think I'm noticing just like a lot of like different tools to support learning so for example when students are in like grade one and we're having them write I just want them to put any letters on paper like they are spelling things you know I I have a hard time even figuring out what they're spelling but it's great I'm just like yeah like try your best write as many letters of the word that you think you know and then you know I'm like amazing you know you did this because it's just like building the confidence mm-hmm. right because if you don't build that confidence stu- students don't want to try they feel scared and something really big is I love to have students like excited about what they're doing like, moving away from like read this and answer questions you know like that's not again an effective way to assess learning and it doesn't get people excited right so I think mm. we are learning uh, we're working a lot to more it's like inclusion and just universal things that work for everyone so having a visual score so that all the kids in the class know what's going on particularly those who maybe have like autism and they need that routine or yeah just like so many different tools that like work for everyone just like providing those approaches that like certain kids really need before everyone so I think like that's something that's really changed and just kind of like right now the Toronto District School Board especially is really focused on like equity right and diversity and inclusion and making that the priority right to make sure that like all students feel they have an equal chance in being successful
0: I love that that's so wonderful to hear that we're going that way it's so important like I've always thought that everything kind of starts at schools and can really change for the good or the bad like you said like people can be in so many circumstances but having like those stable one or two people teacher counselor whatever it is Mm -hmm. at school that you can rely on and and feel supported by like completely can change the trajectory of someone's life
1: yeah for sure yeah I know definitely like I spend more time with some of these kids and their families do right? like I'm with them all day yeah like it's super important that they all feel like school is like a safe place for them you know and they feel like good about going there all the kids are like I want to stay at home and play like xbox but you know I'm just like
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I guess this is kind of like a maybe a complex question to answer but I'm just gonna go for it I think from our generation and our parents definitely but there was the whole like smart or dumb, the right or wrong approach. And I think that's what honestly shaped our thinking in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and what shapes the way that we feel about ourselves, mental health, and the things that we struggle with, good or bad all the time, like that dichotomy. And it sounds like now things are changing so much Mm -hmm. and becoming so much more celebratory of people's strengths and seeing strengths as different. I guess like if you could kind of say something to those adults now that are listening to this or these older people who are struggling with these dichotomies still, yeah. like what's something, cause it sounds like it's something that you've really worked on. Like yeah. what are some pieces of advice that you could share for that?
1: Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. Like I'm really focused on just finding like a, st- strength base you know and Mm -hmm. um that was something really hard for me when like I had a lot of mental health struggles was like you know I didn't like anything about myself right Mm -hmm. so I kind of started by being like okay like what am I good at and I was kind of looking like at the time it was like external validation right Mm -hmm. so I'd be like okay well like I'm really kind and I'd be like I know that because this friend shared that with me yeah you know like I'm really organized and I know that because you know, I've made it to these appointments on time, you know. So really looking for strengths in myself was, like, something that was a big journey and, like, you know, building that relationship with myself. Sorry, that was kind of off topic, I guess. Um, no, no, totally But, works. yeah, like, I think, I don't know, there's so many also different ways types of knowledge and it's like emotional intelligence goes so unnoticed, mm-hmm. you know? And again, like I think we're working so hard to like get there, right? And also we're, like, we're looking at like people's people skills rather than just like their IQ. I think like there's so many strengths in the world that we need to look at. It's not like smart and dumb and like we all have different strengths. Like math is not my strength. So a language we use in the education, um, it's really big in the program I just did and as well as like we use it in classrooms, it's called the growth mindset. I don't know if you're familiar with it but we never say like oh it's okay like not everyone's good at math we use language such as like oh it looks like you worked really hard on this what could we do differently next time yeah or oh, okay like you yeah, know that that feeling of feeling tired or you know confused that means that your brain's growing and you know instead of me saying like oh I like I don't know any French I say like oh you know French is something I'm still learning or like when I tell students I'm not the best speller I say like you know spelling and reading out loud is something I'm still growing in right I think like that's really important to know the alternative is a fixed mindset of like I'm not good at reading out loud right so I think that's something that's really helpful and I catch myself like that's something I'm really working on with myself yeah and yeah I think it kind of like starts there and it's it's easy to be like oh you know you did really well whatever like move on yeah but it's uh, it takes the time and the patience to really like change that mindset and it's something I'm still like really working on with myself and making sure that I'm doing in my practice with kids
0: that is like I think one of the most important things ever I think it's like mm-hmm. so critical to notice how you're talking to yourself and about yourself and noticing yeah. that like yeah you can change it to be more growth mindset to to start seeing what you're doing and acknowledging that and yeah that doesn't mean you're perfect that doesn't mean you're there but you're on your way to improving rather than saying I can't do this I can't do that because you limit yourself as soon as you say that you shut yourself off to any sort of improvement and so I think it's also like yeah acknowledging like this is what we are taught to think like and so it's okay we have it right now but it's also okay to learn and change
1: I think like looking at accomplishments too, this is something that I have really hard time with. Like mm-hmm. I've been told by like therapists, like look at all these things that you've done and like, you yeah. know, other people and yeah, it's really hard to acknowledge your own accomplishments for yeah. sure. And, um, you know, it's like, especially when you're not feeling like when I'm kind of dealing with like a lot of heavy emotions, but yeah, definitely like looking at how far you've come and kind of knowing like you can go through struggles, but you're, you're going to be a bit stronger on the other side. Like, when you come out of them and like taking the moments to like really acknowledge like where you're at and think like small things you've done and like yeah yeah that's something I do when I'm dealing a lot with heavy emotions too even like doing small accomplishments I'll be like oh, I did my laundry today like oh my
0: god <laughs> vacuumed my room hundred <laughs> uh, percent it's like it's so important yeah. and like when you start celebrating yourself it's like it spins off it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that we were talking about mm-hmm. before like as soon as you start looking for things like if you have that narrative then you start doing things that confirm it yeah. all the time
1: I play this game with myself sometimes when I'm like going through a lot of like anxiety and depression as I play it's called I call it this will be good for me mm. so it'll be something like I'll make a smoothie and I'll be like oh that will be so good that's so good for me because it's like you know you're doing kind of like a self-care yeah and like you're verbally saying like that you're trying to take care of yourself right
0: I love that that's amazing yeah that was amazing, though. I think that you've provided, like, so much by sharing your story, but yeah. also by, like, applying it to kind of, like, the wider social sphere, including schools and just kind of, like, the cultural aspects that do influence how we think and how we feel. And and by also, I think it's so nice that you can, like, give us the lessons of, like, what kids are learning today because sometimes we have to remember, like, some of our core beliefs and the core ways we think were formed when we were a kid. So if we, like, reteach ourselves, like, we're kids – then maybe we have also the chance to change some of these things that are so ingrained in us as well.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that it's definitely really important. Like I think you know people don't really think of like what's going on in school. Like I have, I always get people being like, "Do you guys still do this?" And I'm like, "No," <laughs> you know. And it's great. Like it's yeah. great that we're not still doing that. And yeah. I'm hoping that like you know by sharing my story I can you know resonate with like whoever mm. is also out there listening might be like struggling with certain things and yeah like I know like something that really works for me is you know when I'm struggling is just like accepting those feelings and being like this is what I'm feeling today but like tomorrow hopefully is better and doing small things that help me in the moment right and even though it doesn't like maybe always make the biggest difference. Like it's not like you're going to feel like instantly like not anxious and depressed. Something that really resonates with me is like, it doesn't make it worse if you're doing something Mm. small that helps you. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like it all adds up. And sometimes like it's subperceptual. But then as soon as you like continue to do things, it becomes past that tipping point. And you start to feel the difference. And it's
1: yeah. the
0: same thing with like stresses. Like sometimes like a stress can feel so small. And we don't acknowledge it. But then as they add up, then it gets past that threshold and we start to notice it. So it's
1: 100. It's good to like
0: acknowledge how both things are influencing us all the time and kind of working to balance that teeter yeah exactly
1: yeah something like a therapist once told me was I was saying like when I was getting like really anxious and stuff I started you know doing kind of like words of affirmation she was like Mm. well did that help and I was like well like no I didn't feel like better immediately she's like well did it make the situation worse and I said well no it didn't Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's about what you can do to not make the situation worse and not get into that darkness right so beautiful Beautiful. yeah well I'm so excited I got to come on here I'm so
0: excited too let me ask you the last question okay okay okay.
1: oh (laughs) goodness these these again fuck
0: (laughs) what's something that you have in your life now that in the past you always wanted
1: oh my god kind of like sticking on the topic but like I guess like a better relationship in myself right I know I spoke a lot about like kind of going through times where I had a lot of like issues with myself and I think like I'm really fortunate that I've done a lot of work and had a lot of amazing support systems that I feel like I'm in a really good place with myself you know I value myself and I have that better relationship so it's something I always really wanted and I really worked on it and I got here so
0: <laughs> I love that that's so so important it's like the most important thing honestly to have a good relationship with yourself so yeah I think that's so great to see that you can acknowledge your progress and and that you feel better and yeah. you did at another point
1: yeah, that's, I was trying to think of something, like, materialistic, but, like, <laughs> I literally can't think of off the top of my head. It definitely doesn't have to be materialistic. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. It's so. amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my God, of Say course. B-
1: I know, I'm so excited. Like, I've never been on a podcast, so this is, like, <laughs> this is really cool. You did great. It's really age. Really age. Okay, bye, everyone. Goodbye.